0: Welcome to Clear Vision. Here we have exclusive, up close, and personal conversations with legendary musicians. Our program is devoted to examining what makes people great. Needless to say, everyone has a unique story, a clear vision, and we're here to bring it to you.
1: Welcome to our podcast. I'm Doug Bowder, and I've worked in the music industry most of my life as an educator, publisher, author, musician, and entrepreneur. I've had the honor of talking with some of the legendary names in the music business. And what I found is that indeed everyone does have a unique story, a clear vision on their journey to success. And who better to tell you about these stories than the musicians themselves, their aspirations, dreams, and the decisions they've made that have shaped their lives in music. On this podcast, we feature Tony Bennett. This is an interview I did back in the mid-90s, but coincidentally, Tony Bennett's birthday is today and he's celebrating his 96th year as a legend. I'm going to start this interview off a little differently today by reading a couple quotes about our guest. Tony Bennett is the best singer in the business today. He's exciting every time he performs. Frank Sinatra. Tony Bennett is the best singer I've ever heard. Ben Crosby. I don't know what I can say or add to that, so welcome, Tony Bennett. Thank you very much. That's pretty high praise. How do you get used to hearing things like that?
0: Well, I've never gotten over it, you know, because uh, I started out uh, as a singing waiter years ago, and I just love to sing, and, and then I have the, the top people, uh, you know, the, of my peers, uh, you know, give me those kind of accolades. I'll, I'll never get over it, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting to digest it.
1: Well, let's start at the beginning. You were born in Astoria, Long Island. Tell us a bit about that.
0: Well, it's about uh, 15 minutes from New York City, and uh, the workers of the city, you know, the people who make the World Trade Center work, uh, they all live in Astoria. All the secretaries and the teachers and, and uh, writers and all kinds of very, very interesting people, all the workers of the city. Blue-collar town. And I really love going up there because at 15 minutes away, it's like... You know, it feels like you're in Cincinnati, and it's 50 minutes away from the Big Apple. It's for moderate-income families. And I just loved growing up there. And uh, grew up during the Depression, and the families were all together and very close. And then uh, Franklin Roosevelt invented the middle class, and then everybody moved out of town. (laughs) They all became Republicans.
1: So when did you first find that voice of yours? When did you realize that you might be a singer?
0: Well, my father was a magnificent singer. He died when I was nine, but uh, the stories I heard was that in Italy he was able to sing on top of a mountain and have the whole valley here in Calabria. My brother is a wonderful singer who sang in the Metropolitan Opera when he was 14 years old, sang solo spots in the Met. So I was just raised around music and art and I've been studying ever since, and I still study. And uh, I, I just had this, uh, I've always had to do it. It's not an ambition where i I had an ambition, but I always had to do it. Well, I had a beautiful family, you know, that uh, would uh, gather and make a circle around my sister, my brother, and myself, and, and we were their entertainment uh, every Sunday. And we'd look forward to it, and uh, we'd entertain the family.
1: One of my really favorite questions to ask performers is when or where did you get your first big break?
0: Well, I would say Pearl Bailey started me out in Greenwich Village and then Bob Hope uh, took me on the road with him and discovered me.
1: But you weren't going by Tony Bennett at first, right? Your real name is Tony Benedetto, right?
0: I... Yeah, Anthony Benedetto. Yeah.
1: You were also using another name as well. I...
0: Nobody, uh, my, my father came from Body, Italy. Yeah, Bari, Italy. B-A-R-I.
1: And Bob Hope wasn't too fond of that name? Well,
0: he just thought it was uh, t- a, too much of a cliche kind of name. He said, what's your real name? I said, Anthony Dominic Benedetto. And uh, he said, well, that's a little long for the marquee. Let's Americanize you and call you Tony Bennett. And that was right backstage at the Paramount Theater. And he announced me as Tony Bennett, and I've been, it's been a good luck name ever since. So you
1: begin with Pearl Bailey and Bob Hope. What was next? Well,
0: Bob took me on the road with him, and then... Uh, Mitch Miller heard about me on Columbia Records. He was the head A&R man then. And uh, he signed me up and uh, I stayed on the road ever since. I've been on the road for 45 years now.
1: What were those days like touring?
0: Well, I I loved. it was good because uh, there was a circuit, you know, you played, uh, you know, I I had the number one and five and seven and 10 hit record on the charts. Unfortunately, there was still a circuit it was just the end of Vaudeville, I'm 67 right now. But um, I was able to go from town to town, and play Wilkes-Barre and Scranton and Moe's Main Street in Cleveland where I followed the late Billy Holiday. Great experiences actually and uh, that experience it takes, Pearl Bailey told me, she said, you know son, I could start you out but it's gonna take you 10 years to learn how to walk on the stage. And she was very accurate. And that's what's regrettable about some of the young performers today. They look awful good on television, you know, because they have your energy and, and beautiful-looking guys and girls. But they don't have a circuit to, like George Burns says, where you get allowed to get, be lousy before you get good.
1: Yeah, they sort of get pushed out quickly when they get a record deal. Yes,
0: yes, exactly.
1: Well, you've obviously mastered the showmanship side of things. You've been performing for like 50 years. What do you think the key to your longevity has been?
0: Well, you know, I asked Sinatra, uh, I said, why do you think we stayed around so long? He said, because we stayed with good songs. We didn't do any trick songs or novelty songs, you know, we just stayed with very good quality. And that, that, that's what, there's a big, huge audience that uh, the advertisers and demographic people really misunderstand completely because uh, there's a huge audience that loves good quality music. There's a big, big audience that just likes to be entertained and, and run into professional people that show up on time and, 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 uh, and really give a, 100% of themselves.
1: So what was your relationship like with Frank Sinatra? I mean, how did you guys meet, and how did he influence your career?
0: Well, I, I had a, a summer replacement show for Perry Como, and I was kind of, had no idea. It sounded exciting at first, and then I was left with a bare stage, you know. They, 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 the uh, economics of things, they just was some replacement, So all the guest stars left and it was just kind of a bare stage, you know, eight musicians instead of 40. And uh, so I was a nervous wreck and uh, I decided to take a deep breath and go see Sinatra backstage at the Paramount. He was there at a reunion with Tommy Dorsey's great band. So everybody said, you know, he's a tough guy. He said, you better look out. You know, you don't know how he's going to treat you. I found it completely different. He was wonderful to me, and he gave me great advice about staying with good songs. He said, never compromise. And uh, he said, make something up, and someone will want to buy it. And he gave me very good advice. And uh, just recently, uh, at Radio City, he announced me to the audience as not only his best friend in the music business, but his best friend, period. So we're very great friends. Yes, he's been so nice to me through the years.
1: What do you look for when you're picking out a song to perform or record? What elements do you consider make up a great song?
0: Well, I I think it's the craftiness of the song. If someone writes a song and they do it very well, if it's very well written, I I kind of look for music that's timeless. It that doesn't that never has a dated sound to it. And uh, it's like if you listen to Nat King Cole, you know, any record of his right now, and you know he's been gone for quite a while now, but It just sounds like he recorded it yesterday. So that's the test of time, that proves that it's real artistry.
1: So the song I think it really has transcended this test of time is your signature song, I left my heart in San Diego, not San Diego, I left my heart in San Francisco. Well, It's funny that
0: you mentioned San Diego because my daughter was with me when I did a benefit for the San Diego Zoo. And a parrot came out and sang I left my heart in San Francisco. And she came, she was 12 years old at the time, she came running out and said, Dad, you got to go on the road with this parrot.
1: And how was he?
0: Fantastic, except for the last note, very flat.
1: So how did you come to record I Left My Heart in San Francisco?
0: Well, Rob Sharon, he's been my music director for 30 years now, and uh, he's found all my songs for me. So he, he thought it would be a good song. It was my first time I was going to San Francisco to the Fairmont Hotel. And he suggested that we record that song. And uh, boy, was he right. I thought it was a local hit at the time, and it just, it's been going ever since.
1: So what did that song do for your career?
0: Well, it made me a world citizen. You know, ever since the song came out, I've been commissioned to sing all over the world. And uh, I get commissioned to sing in Norway and Belgium and Holland and Greece and Israel and Africa and China and Japan, South America. It's fascinating.
1: So for sure, your, your songs certainly have romantic overtones. Do you consider yourself to be romantic?
0: Well, I, I believe in truth and beauty, and that's, uh, I'm going down with that one, whether it's in fashion or out of fashion. I believe in that. You know, it's like Duke Ellington says, God is love.
1: You did a tribute album for the great Fred Astaire. I was just reading an article which quoted Liza Minnelli, and it was saying that there's no one that can handle a song like Fred Astaire.
0: Well, he, he invented the best ones. He, he showed up with the best, you know, Cole Porter, Irving Berlin, and Gershwin um, wouldn't make a move without hoping that Fred Astaire would introduce the song in his lifetime. And on Fred Astaire's piano, there's a, a photo of, of uh, George Gershwin. And it says, to my favorite actor, Fred, Fred Astaire, signed George
1: Gershwin. Tony, thank you so much for your time. I love these stories. Well, from the beautiful Peninsula Hotel in Newport Beach, California, salute. Salute. Well, this one's only Diet Coke. This is only gin. <laughs> What's coming up? Let's see what we have here on the schedule. It looks like we have uh, interviews from Bill Champlin and Peter Cetera two major players over the years with the group Chicago as well as their own solo albums and as earlier promised we have a salute to film scoring we've got interviews with Danny Elfman and the late Henry Mancini well that's a wrap I hope you've enjoyed this exclusive interview with Tony Bennett on Clear Vision if so please subscribe so you can be notified of our upcoming content tell a friend and give us a five star review We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.